Section 6 of The Aeneid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary J. The Aeneid by Virgil. Translated by J. W. McHale. Book Third: The Story of the Seven Years' Wandering. Part 2. And now a day and another day hath sped. The breezes woo our sails, and the canvas blows out to the swelling south. With these words I accost the prophet, and thus make request. Son of Troy, interpreter of the gods, whose sense is open to Phoebus's influences, his tripods and laurels, to stars and tongues of birds and auguries of prosperous flight, tell me now, for the voice of revelation was all favorable to my course, and all divine influence counseled me to seek Italy and explore remote lands. Only Selino the harpy prophecies of strange portents, a horror to tell, and cries out wrath and bale and foul hunger. What perils are the first to shun, or in what guidance may I overcome these sore labors? Hereat Helenus, first suing for divine favor with fit sacrifice of steers, and unbinding from his head the chaplets of consecration, leads me in his hands to thy courts, O Phoebus, thrilled with the fullness of the deity, and then utters these prophetic words from his augural lips. Goddess-born, since there is clear assurance that under high omens thou dost voyage through the deep, so the king of the gods allots destiny and unfolds change. This is the circle of ordinance. A few things out of many I will unfold to thee in speech, so that thou mayest more safely traverse the seas of thy sojourn, and find rest in the Azonian haven. For Helenus is forbidden by the destinies to know, and by Juno, daughter of Saturn, to utter more. First of all, the Italy thou deemest now nigh, and close at hand, unwitting. The harbors thou wouldst enter, far are they sundered by a long and trackless track through length of lands. First must the Tanacrian wave clog thine oar, and thy ships traverse the salt Azonian plain, by the infernal poles, and Aeneas Circe's isle, ere thou mayest build thy city in safety on a peaceful land. I will tell thee the token, and do thou keep it close to thine heart. When in thy perplexity, beside the wave of a sequestered river, a great sow shall be discovered lying under the oaks on the brink, with her newborn litter of thirty, couched white on the ground, her white brood about her teats, that shall be the place of the city, that the appointed rest from thy toils. Neither shrink thou at the non-tables that await thee. The fates will find a way, and Apollo aid thy call. These lands, moreover, on this nearest border of the Italian shore, that our own sea's tide washes, flee thou. Evil Greeks dwell in all their towns. Here the Locrians of Norycus have set their city, and here Lictian Idomeneus beset the Salentine plains with sultry. Here is the town of Melibian captain, Philoctetes, little Petalia fenced by her wall. Nay, when thy fleets have crossed over seas and lie at anchor, when now thou rearest altars and payest vows on the beach, Veil thine hair with a purple garment for covering, that no hostile face at thy divine worship may meet thee amid the holy fires and make void the omens. This fashion of sacrifice keep thou, thyself and thy comrades, and let thy children abide in this pure observance. But when at thy departure the wind hath borne thee to the Sicilian coast, and the bared straits of Pelorus open out, steer for the left-hand country and the long circuit of the seas on the left hand, shun the shore and water on thy right. These lands, they say, of old broke asunder, torn and upheaved by vast force, when either country was one and undivided. The ocean burst in between, cutting off with its waves the Hesperian from the Sicilian coast, and with narrow tide washes tilth and town along the severance of shore. On the right, Scylla keeps guard. On the left, unassuaged Charybdis. 
who thrice swallows the vast flood sheer down her swirling gulf and ever again hurls it upward lashing the sky with water but scylla lies prisoned in her cavern's blind recesses thrusting forth her mouth and drawing ships upon the rocks in front her face is human and her breast fair as a maiden's to the waist down behind she is a sea-dragon of monstrous frame with dolphin's tails joined on her wolf-girt belly better to track the goal of trinacrian pecinus lingering and wheeling round through long spaces than once catch sight of misshapen scylla deep in her dreary cavern and of the rocks that ring to her sea-coloured hounds moreover if helenus hath aught of foresight or his prophecy of assurance if apollo fills his spirit with the truth this one thing goddess born one thing for all will i foretell thee and again and again repeat my counsel to great juno's deity be thy first prayer and worship to juno utter thy willing vows and overcome thy mighty mistress with gifts and supplications so at last thou shalt leave trinacria behind and be sped in triumph to the italian borders when born hither thou drawest nigh the Cymaean city the haunted lakes and rustling woods of avernus thou shalt behold the raving prophetess who deep in the rock chants of fate and marks down her words on leaves what verses she writes down on them the maiden sorts into order and shuts behind her in the cave they stay in their places unstirred and quit not their rank but when at the turn of the hinge the light wind from the doorways stirs them and disarranges the delicate foliage never after does she trouble to capture them as they flutter about the hollow rock nor restore their places or join the verses men depart without counsel and hate the sibyl's dwelling here let no waste and delay be of such account to thee though thy company chide and the passage call thy sails strongly to the deep and thou mayest fill out their folds to thy desire that thou do not approach the prophetess and plead with prayers that she herself utter her oracles and deign to loose the accents from her lips the nations of italy and the wars to come and the fashion whereby every toil may be avoided or endured she shall unfold to thee and grant her worshipper prosperous passage thus far is our voice allowed to counsel thee go thy way and exalt troy to heaven by thy deeds this the seer uttered with friendly lips then orders gifts to be carried to my ships of heavy gold and sawn ivory and loads the hulls with massy silver and cauldrons of dodona a mail coat triple woven with hooks of gold and a helmet splendid with spike and tressed plumes the armour of neoptolemus my father too hath his gifts horses besides he brings and grooms fills up the tail of our oarsmen and equips my crew with arms meanwhile anchises bade the fleet set their sails that the fair wind might meet no delay him phoebus's interpreter accosts with high courtesy anchises honoured with the splendour of venus's espousal the gods charge twice rescued from the fallen towers of troy lo the land of azonia is before thee sail thou and seize it and yet needs must thou float past it on the sea far away lies the quarter of azonia that is revealed of apollo go he continues happy in thy son's affection why do i run on further and delay the rising winds and talk andromache too sat at this last parting brings figured raiment with woof of gold and a phrygian scarf for ascanius and wearies not in courtesy loading him with gifts from the loom take these too so says she my child to be memorials to thee of my hands and testify long hence the love of andromache wife of hector take these last gifts of thy kinsfolk o soul surviving likeness to me of my own astyanax such was he and eyes and hands and features and now his equal age were growing into manhood like thine to them as i departed i spoke with starting tears live happily as they do whose fortunes are perfected 
we are summoned ever from fate to fate for you there is rest in store and no ocean floor to furrow no ever retreating azonian fields to pursue you see a pictured xanthus and a troy your own hands have built with better omens i pray and to be less open to the greeks if ever i enter tiber and tiber's bordering fields and see a city granted to my nation then to these kindred towns and allied peoples and epirus and hesperia which have the same dardanus for founder and whose story is one of both will our hearts make a single troy let that charge await our posterity we put out to sea keeping the ceronian mountains close at hand whence is the shortest passage and seaway to italy the sun sets meanwhile and the dusky hills grow dim we chose a place and fling ourselves on the lap of earth at the water's edge and allotting the oars spread ourselves on the dry beach for refreshment the dew of slumber falls on our weary limbs not yet had night driven of the hours climbed her mid-arch palinurus rises lightly from his couch explores all the winds and listens to catch a breeze he marks the constellations gliding together through the silent sky arcturus the rainy hyades and the twin oxen and scans orion in his armor of gold when he sees the clear sky quite unbroken he gives from the stern his shrill signal we disencamp and explore the way and spread the wings of our sails and now reddening dawn had chased away the stars when we descry afar dim hills in the low line of italy Achates first raises the cry of Italy, and with joyous shouts my comrades salute Italy. Then Lord Anchises enwreathed a great bowl, and filled it up with wine, and called on the gods, standing high astern, God sovereign over sea and land and weather, bring wind to ease our way, and breathe favorably. The breezes freshen at his prayer, and now the harbor opens out nearer at hand, and a temple appears on the fort of Minerva. My comrades furl the sails and swing the prows to shore. The harbor is scooped into an arch by the eastern flood. Reefs run out and foam with the salt spray. Itself it lies concealed. Turreted walls of rock let down their arms on either hand, and the temple retreats from the beach. Here, in an inaugural sight, four horses of snowy whiteness are grazing abroad on the grassy plain. And Lord Anchises, war dost thou carry, land of our sojourn? Horses are armed in war, and menace of war is in this herd. But yet these same beasts are wont in time to enter harness, and carry yoke, and bit in concord. There is hope of peace, too, says he. Then we pray to the holy deity, palace of the clangorous arms, the first to welcome our cheers, and before the altars we veil our heads in Phrygian garments, and duly, after the council of Hellenus had urged deepest on us, pay the bidden burnt sacrifice to Juno of Argos. Without delay, once our vows are fully paid, we round to the arms of our sail-yards and leave the dwellings and menacing fields of the Grecian people. Next is described the Bay of Tarentum, town, if rumor is true, of Hercules. Over against it, the goddess of Licinium rears her head with the towers of Calon and Cilicium, wrecker of ships. Then Trinacrian Etna is descried in the distance rising from the waves, and we hear from afar a great roaring of the sea on beaten rocks and broken noises by the shore. The channels boil up, and the surge churns with sand. And Lord Anchises, of a surety, this is that Charybdis. Of these cliffs, these awful rocks, did Helenus prophesy, Out, O comrades, and rise together to the oars. Even as bidden they do, and first Palinurus swung the gurgling prow leftward through the water. To the left all our squadron bent with oar and wind. We are lifted skyward on the crescent wave, and again sunk deep into the nether world as the water is sucked away thrice amid their rocky caverns and cliffs uttered a cry thrice we see the foam flung out and the stars through a dripping veil meanwhile the wind falls with sundown and weary and ignorant of the way we glide on to the cyclopes coast
there lies a harbour large and unstirred by the wind's entrance but nigh it etna thunders awfully in rack and ever and again hurls a black cloud into the sky smoking with boiling pitch and embers white hot and heaves balls of flame flickering up to the stars ever and again vomits out on high crags from the thorn entrails of the mountain tosses up masses of molten rock with a groan and boils forth from the bottom rumour is that this mass weighs down the body of enceladus half consumed by the thunderbolt and mighty etna laid over him suspires the flame that bursts from her furnaces and so often as he changes his weary side all trinacria shudders with moans veiling the sky in smoke that night we spend in cover of the forest among portentous horrors and see not from what source the noise comes for neither did the stars show their fires nor was the vault of constellated sky clear but vapours blotted heaven and the moon was held in a storm-cloud through dead of night and now the morrow was rising in the early east and the dewy darkness rolled away from the sky by dawn when sudden out of the forest advances a human shape strange and unknown worn with uttermost hunger and pitiably attired and stretches entreating hands towards the shore we look back filthy and wretched with shaggy beard and a coat pinned together with thorns he was yet a greek and had been sent of old to troy in his father's arms and he when he saw afar the dardanian habits and armour of troy hung back a little in terror at the sight and stayed his steps then ran headlong to the shore with weeping and prayers by the heavens i beseech you by the heavenly powers in this luminous sky that gives us breath take me up o trojans carry me away to any land soever and it will be enough i know i am one out of the grecian fleets i confess i warred against the household gods of ilium for that if our wrong and guilt is so great throw me piecemeal on the flood or plunge me in the waste sea if i do perish gladly will i perish at human hands he ended and clung clasping our knees and grovelling at them we encourage him to tell who he is and of what blood born and reveal how fortune pursues him since then lord anchises after little delay gives him his hand and strengthens his courage by visible pledge at last laying aside his terror he speaks thus i am from an ithacan home achaemenides by name set out for troy in luckless ulysses company poor was my father adamastus and would god fortune had stayed thus here my comrades abandon me in the cyclops vast cave mindless of me while they hurry away from the barbarous gates it is a house of gore and blood-stained feasts dim and huge within himself he is great of stature and knocks at the lofty skies gods take away a curse like this from the earth to none gracious in aspect or courteous of speech he feeds on the flesh and dark blood of wretched men i myself saw when he caught the bodies of two of us with his great hand and lying back in the middle of the cave crushed them on the rock and the courts splashed and swam with gore i saw when he champed the flesh adrip with dark clots of blood and the warm limbs quivered under his teeth yet not unavenged ulysses brooked not this nor even in such straits did the ithacan forget himself for so soon as he gorged with his feast and buried in wine lay with bent necks sprawling huge over the cave in his sleep vomiting gore and gobbets mixed with wine and blood we praying to the great gods with parts allotted pour at once all round him and pierce with a sharp weapon the huge eye that lay sunk single under his savage brow in fashion of an argolic shield or the lamp of the moon and at last we exultingly avenge the ghosts of our comrades but fly o wretched men fly and pluck the cable from the beach for even in the shape and stature of polyphemus when he shuts his fleece flocks and drains their udders in the cave's covert a hundred other horrible cyclopes dwell all about this shore and stray on the mountain heights 
thrice now does the horned moon fill out her light while i linger in life among desolate lairs and haunts of wild beasts in the woodland and from a rock survey the giant cyclopes and shudder at their cries and echoing feet the bows yield a miserable sustenance berries and stony sloes and plants torn up by the root feed me sweeping all the view i at last espied this fleet standing into shore on it whatsoever it were i cast myself it is enough to have escaped the accursed tribe do you rather by any death you will destroy this life of mine scarcely had he spoken thus when on the mountain top we see shepherding his flocks a vast moving mass polyphemus himself seeking the shores he knew a horror ominous shapeless huge bereft of sight a pine lopped by his hand guides and steadies his footsteps his fleeced sheep attend him this his single delight and solace and ill after he hath touched the deep flood and come to the sea he washes it in the blood that oozes from his eye socket grinding his teeth with groans and now he strides through the sea up to his middle nor yet does the wave wet his towering sides we hurry far away in precipitate flight with the suppliant who had so well merited rescue and silently cut the cable and bending forward sweep the sea with emulous oars he heard and turned his steps toward the echoing sound but when he may in no wise lay hands on us nor can fathom the ionian waves in pursuit he raises a vast cry at which the sea and all his waves shuddered and the deep land of italy was startled and etna's vaulted caverns moaned but the tribe of the cyclopes roused from the high wooded hills run to the harbor and fill the shore we descry the etnian brotherhood standing impotent with scowling eye their stately heads up to heaven a dreadful consistory even as on a mountain summit stand oaks high in air or coned cypresses a high forest of jove or covert of diana sharp fear urges us to shake out the sheets in reckless haste and spread our sails to the favoring wind yet helenus's commands counsel that our course keep not the way between scylla and charybdis the very edge of death on either hand we are resolved to turn our canvas back and lo from the narrow fastness of Polaris the north wind comes down and reaches us i sail past pantagius's mouth with its living stone the megarian bay and low-lying thapsus such names did achaemenides of luckless ulysses company point out as he retraced his wanderings along the returning shores stretched in front of a bay of sicily lies an islet over against wave-beat plemerium they of old called it ortigia hither alpheus the river of elis so rumour runs hath cloven a secret passage beneath the sea and now through thy well-head arethusa mingles with the sicilian waves we adore as bidden the great deities of the ground and thence i cross the fertile soil of helorus in the march next we graze the high reefs and jutting rocks of pachinus and far off appears camarina forbidden forever by oracles to move and the geloan plains and vast gela named after its river then acragus on the steep once the breeder of noble horses displays its massive walls in the distance and with granted breeze i leave thee behind palm-girt salinas and thread the difficult shoals and blind reefs of lilybaeum thereon drapanum receives me in its haven and joyless border here so many tempestuous seas outgone alas my father the solace of every care and chance anchises is lost to me here thou dear lord abandonest me in weariness alas rescued in vain from peril and doom not helenus the prophet though he counselled of many a terror not boding selino foretold me of this grief this was the last agony this the goal of the long ways thence it was i had departed when god landed me on your coasts 
thus lord aeneas with all attempt retold alone the divine doom in the history of his goings at last he was hushed and here in silence made an end end of section six